0: Good evening, Paul. How are you doing today?
1: Great, Lalania. Glad to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm I'm glad you're here too. Um, I guess first off, can you tell the audience a bit about yourself and like what what do you do? Uh, yeah.
1: So I started life a long time ago, and I don't know if you want the long story, short story, but I'll try to make it as short as possible. But I started life with an angry childhood. And that angry childhood led me to want to obey rules so I wouldn't get in trouble. So at age 17, I took a test in high school, one of those occupational tests that says that this occupation would be really good for you. And it came out that I'd be a great IRS agent. I did not want to be an IRS agent at all. <laughs> but, but you know it took me a long time to get a college degree, but I actually graduated in accounting, and and which is kind of like the IRS has a lot of rules and a lot of things that you have to obey and so that's that's my background but it was just I still had a lot of residual anger left over from that that angry atmosphere of childhood that I was brought up angry uh that the residual anger was was spilling over into adulthood and I wanted to find a way to get rid of that so I was looking around and and found something that worked for me so that's that's what I'm here to share share with you, Le- Lalania.
0: That's great. Yeah, I um, can you tell the audience a little bit about a uh, role of love?
1: Uh huh. Sure. Sure. So that's really kind of the solution um, of of the problem that I found. What I what I found is that I read the five love languages, and I really liked the principles of the five love languages. But I I went through the book four or five times, but I, I really the book didn't go through me. I didn't get it being from the background that i had of of that abuse what that what that culture looks like is that it's a person that talks over somebody it's a person that has no boundaries it's a person that has a lot of sarcasm a lot of biting humor that you're the put down and the, you're the butt of the joke type situation all that plus abuse all kinds of abuse that were happening within the family it was just a, a bad situation with that residual anger that i felt at age 35 i realized i got to stop blaming my father for all this anger that i still had and what i found out what i realized what the pattern was was um La Lainia, is that i would stack annoyances one on top of another on top of another until it got to the point that it, i couldn't take one more annoyance mm-hmm. and then that would be the camel that breaks the or the the straw that breaks the camel's back And when that happened, there'd be a flash of anger. And after that flash of anger, then I'd come back down and then I'd start stacking again until Mm -hmm. I got to that point. It was cyclic like that. And I did not, I wanted to stop that cycle of anger. and But I didn't know how to do it. I was saying, I don't wanna be angry. And that's like a double negative sentence all by itself. And double negatives, two negative numbers multiplied together in math, make a positive number. But it doesn't work in relationships, and I was finding out that it really wasn't working for me. So what I did was I um, this this anger actually was part of the uh, contributory to the demise of my first marriage. Had eight children, and and after the the uh, dissolution of the marriage, five remaining children I had primary custody of. So uh, uh, while I'm single, I'm doing des- destination dating, finding a, a person that lives in a different city, choosing a city to meet in, and doing what I call destination dating it was fun. You know, talk about fun. Your fun is mm-hmm. fundamental, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I was
1: I was having this midlife crisis lot, millennia, and and in this midlife crisis, I was not finding love anywhere. Went to several cities, spent a lot of money. Well, did it for about a year and a half. Thought I had a a, a lying on somebody in Phoenix. So I moved to Phoenix and tried to develop the relationship, just didn't work. So here I am now in Phoenix and and my, my ex-wife is wanting the primary custody back of the children after three and a half years. There's only three left in the household. Her plan was though, to move in with her parents. And so I thought, you know what, that's really kind of a cool thing for these last three children to get to know their grandparents. I, I'm number 10 of 11 children, Melania, and and I didn't know my, my grandfathers at all. They both had mm-hmm. passed away before I was ever born. Mm-hmm. But I had a grandmother that was 350 miles east and one that was 350 miles west. And so as I'm um, the very infrequent visits to the, those grandmothers, and I didn't have that big a relationship with them. I knew one was cr- cranky and one was very nice. And, that, and that's about all, all I knew. So I wanted these children to have that experience. So I relinquished primary custody back to my my ex, ex-wife and, and let her take those children. Now I'm all alone. While I'm all alone, my older sister, I'm number 10 of 11, sandwiched between two girls, an older sister, a younger sister. My older sister gives me a call and says that she has this neighbor she wants to introduce to me. She lives seven hours away. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I've already done this destination dating. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Didn't find it. I don't want to do that again. And she's older sister. She said, oh, come on. And you kind of got to do what older siblings tell you to do. In the, Back in the day, Lelania, I was the human remote control. I had shorter legs, obviously, and I was, I was closer to the TV. All the older brothers said, go change the channel. And I'd go walk up to the TV and turn the knob. That's how you used to do it. Mm-hmm. Used to change the channel. So, you know, I had to do what older sister said. I said, okay, I'll email her. What kind of relationship can you develop with e- email? And I was thinking, I'm, I'm doing this half hearted, but actually, she was a really good writer and we we're just having a fun, fun exchanges back and forth. And finally, get to the point I get brave. I'm going to ask her a question. I said, how many times have you been married? And she writes back and said, Counting the five that are buried in the backyard? <laughs> Just like that, I roared with laughter. I thought, this is the funniest thing. I've got someone here with personality. Somebody has <laughs> got a sense of humor. I like this. I'm going to pursue this a little bit more. And so while having that live wire, we get a little closer. And then I decide I'm going to move up to where my sister's at, since I'm carefree and single anyway, and, and develop the relationship a little bit more. We became serious, and now it's time for big brother approval. So I take this woman up to my brother's house, 300 miles north. And the first thing that happened when we walked in, my sister-in-law pulls her aside and says, the only emotion that the Zolman family had growing up was anger. At first I didn't know. I said, uh-uh, and it made me mad. I thought, I busted. She just uh, said what our family was, and I still got it. And I realized at that point that I have an opportunity to change this generational thing has been passed down from my father and who knows where he got it probably from his parents taught him taught him that that you stack mm-hmm. anger 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 be annoyed 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 and then you get have this blowout and and so so i realized i've got an opportunity to change that so i started reading the color code and then the five love languages and i really settled on the five love languages because dr chapman's a pastor he wrote it in the early 90s a pastor and and he said that each one of the love languages reconciled to the life of Jesus Christ. I was, a, a, I'm a Christian, and I thought that would be really kind of a good path to go. So I wanted to learn more about it, and I love the principles. But I, from this angry culture that I came from, I didn't get it. I didn't understand what I needed to do to to uh, uh, any more than what Dr. Chapman said. Dr. Chapman told me that if I guessed LaLiana, LaLiana. La- La-lania. La-lania. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel like I'm in la-la-la. Yeah, but yeah. la If I guessed what your love language is and then catered to that, then we'd be buddies. I'm a really bad guesser. And it wasn't working up until that point. And it was, still wasn't working. So Dr. Chapman has this second option. Well, if you take this, this survey, you'll find out what your love language is. Well, what do I do with that? Dr. Chapman advertise. hello, Lania. I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? Here's my Venmo account. I'll put it right on this badge right here. I mean, just, that, it's <laughs> ridiculous. And it's so awkward. That wasn't working for me either. So I had an idea. I thought that our family, even as dysfunctional as we were, we played games as a family when I was younger. And those games brought us together. Of course, there was still the smack talk. There were still the put-downs. Still very aggressive competition. There were all that involved in these games, but it brought our family together. So I thought, I wonder if I can make this a game. So I contacted Dr. Chapman, asked him, are you licensing those little icons that you have for the love languages? And his attorney wrote back and said, no, we're not doing that at this time. So I had a friend that was a copyrighted attorney, still is a copyright attorney in, in the city that I live in. And I went to him and talked to him about this, this issue. He said this, said theory, like the love language theory is not copyrightable, application is. So he, they weren't doing the application of this as a game. So I had permission then to actually make my own icons and create it into a game. So that's what it did. So I have a game here. It's just a cube that has the love languages on it. They're all pictures right now. Right now I'm showing two hands, holding holding hands. That would be the love language of touch. This one, the two hands together forming a heart. And then the heart, it looks like the heart is talking because there's a conversation fly out from the heart. and, And those would be the words of the heart. The hands holding an hourglass now, that would be representative of time. I've got what looks like a little server with a platter. That would be for service. And then the last one would be a hand holding a gift. That's gifts. Five love languages, six sides on the cube. The last one is surprise me. So there's just two instructions, Lelania. You roll the cube every day, whatever it lands on, that's the love language you practice giving away all day that day, all day to everybody. So remember, I'm single at the time I create this. I thought, Doctor Chapman, you said to love your significant other. I don't have anybody. Who am I supposed to love? And then I realized, oh, I guess I just have to love everybody. And it's just, it just—it was almost sound, almost like just like that. That was maybe a chore. I have to love everybody, and there's no willy nilly. I can't get mad. Oh, I needed that be uh, that replacement behavior. But I realized it was that I was looking at what's wrong with that person, and that's how I became annoyed. What's wrong with them? I was looking at maybe the 10 or 20% of people that that have weaknesses or faults. I wasn't looking at the 80 to 90% of what was good about that person. Oh, you mean I can't look at the faults anymore. I have to look the total opposite direction and look at what's good about that person. It was an absolute paradigm shift for me. Now with rolling the die, I'm watching for what's right about that person? What can I love about that person? It's absolutely changed my life. I'm so busy looking at that 80 to 90% of people that is good about that person. I forgot to be annoyed. I don't I, I, and I realized that I don't have any business deciding what they should do anyway. That's a boundary that really I needed to draw that was not one of those boundaries I learned as a child. Remember, there's no boundaries in the angry culture. There's that bad humor, bad vocabulary, all that. I realized that's a boundary. I don't have any say of what that person chooses to do. Why would I think I have any say in t- to if they do something that may seem stupid to me or wrong to me? I don't have any say to say any of that. I can ask them if they'd like some advice and then wait for the permission or they can ask me for advice and then I can offer the advice. But I didn't understand that boundary and just obviously wasn't obeying that boundary that that stay in your lane. The other thing about this is that I realized that I can't bid love to come my way. That's their choice. If they wanna send love to me, that's great. All I can do is send it out and then respond when it comes my way so the whole idea of rolling the die every day is that you're sending it out without any regard of it ever coming back you don't expect it to come back except that you trust that the laws of the of the universe like the law of the harvest or the law of of, uh, of attraction or or karma you trust all those laws that were put in place before even you or i were born they're already there What you send out is going to come back to you someday. It might might come back immediately. It might come back many days later. But what you're looking for is for people to light up. When they light up, you've actually made their day. You've hit upon their primary, what Dr. Chapman would call their primary love language, something that they really like, either a primary or a secondary love language. They light up. When they light up, you just take a mental note that, oh, that's what they like for that person and and just wash, rinse, repeat for that person. So going through the day, you've got this genre of love that you're sending out, using your observation skills, watching for those people that light up. There's some great satisfaction in helping people have a better day. Great satisfaction that you're making their day very special and that's immediate, uh, immediate satisfaction, and really kind of payment, so to speak, for that love that you're sending out. And that's that's kind of the story about that, and how I came to came to this point that just trying to make that change from anger to love. I needed that replacement behavior. This actually was magical. Within thirty days of just that about face, turning around and looking the other direction looking for what's good about people instead of looking for what's bad about people it changed my life
0: right yeah um and you also wrote a book what um inspired that and what what uh, did is it like partly like your story like what inspired you or um is there anything else that is part of the book
1: yeah good question la lania yes okay <laughs> That's a great question. You know, there actually is an inspiration. The, the dice actually was copyrighted in 2017. So I've had it all that time. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm not just saying that you only do this for 30 days and you're done. It's not like I wa- I'd watch the dishes. Ooh, ooh, I'm done. It's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. It's a developing the habit. And so I've rolled the dice um, ever since that time. I'm, I roll it every single day for a, for a two minute investment. You actually, or two second investment, actually, you get a whole lot of return for that investment. And it's really kind of sets the theme for the day. Um, that I was trying to sell that and sell the concept to mental health specialists, you know, professionals that do the therapy. and And they were saying, you know, I understand it and it's a great tool, but it's almost like we need a manual because it's absolutely different then what the love the application that, that we're familiar with of the love languages from Dr. Chapman, absolutely different. Instead of just f- discovering what someone's love language is and catering to that, now you're sending love out to everybody, learning all the love languages, and and, and it's totally different. So That's- this mental health specialist that I talked to last year said, you've got to write a book you've got to you've got to describe what we're doing here because nobody's going to understand it the explanation is way too long so you need to have kind of a companion manual so to speak of mm-hmm. how to how to use this this cube and how it's going to change people's lives and so that's that was the inspiration just just about a little bit of, about a year and a half ago that uh, I had that inspiration from a mental health specialist that's that that's what i needed to do
0: oh yeah uh yeah um for the audience to know uh you sent you sent me one and for my coworker in our classroom and we we have uh used it in our class and uh yeah the kids kids of course love love uh rolling the die and we were having a kindness challenge at the same time so like was like really good timing for that uh and they uh basically like what we kind of do is like we roll the die and then it's like ever like Kind of the goal is like for everyone to uh, do something that aligns with that love language for the day. Um, and then at the end of the day, we also like kind of take inventory and it's like, oh, what did you notice that someone did, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing so that we can reflect on it kind of thing. So, yeah, it's been really a nice challenge for everyone.
1: <laughs> what, did, what did you notice about that later? LaLenia, um, what did you notice with the kids? Do you think that their behavior was better because of it? Or uh, were, were they did they feel responsible for their behavior because of that's what they were rolling that day?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think generally just when we, it's like things are being like really being purposeful and like calling attention to uh, what our goal is for the day. Um, they do take more responsibility for like Mm. what they're doing and not just like reacting Um, and like what, what can they do and not just like, um, you know, sometimes it's like if, you know, sometimes they feel like they don't have control over things. Um, But in this way, like they can take ownership of like how Mm. their day is and like, what can they do um, to make someone else's day better and then then that person will make their day better. You know, like it's just like kind of this like back and forth, like uh, give and take that Mm -hmm. is happening. And I think it's definitely been a positive experience and change that's been happening. So.
1: Oh, great. Great. That's, that's good report. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. And I'm loving that the test is working out for you. And I hope you'll continue that so, so really implant this in, in these children's minds that you're teaching, that they'll understand that they're absolutely responsible for what they send out, whether it's anger, whether it's love. And, and it really irons out, like you said, irons out those knee-jerk reactions, like I was having, of being annoyed, 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 annoyed. What I found, La Lania is that I found that that stacking effect was was a pattern of life that I had, but it ended in anger. I've also discovered, and I did never know this, that there's a pattern for love in that way too, that you stack kindness on top of kindness, on top of kindness, on top of kindness, then you get to the higher laws of love. The higher laws of love to me are above the love languages, more uh, something that you become fluent with after you've been practicing the love languages for a while. And what that what I'm talking about is that you'll get to charity, you'll get to compassion, you'll get to intimacy, to mercy, to forgiveness, empathy or sympathy. Those are all higher laws of love. Something way above this this right now. Can you imagine anybody getting forgiveness if they're insulting, 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 and then asking for forgiveness? It's going to be kind of hard hard pressed to have that forthcoming or to have that expectation that that might be something that might be granted. But it's but it's so much easier if you have kindness, 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 then ask for forgiveness. And it's just, that's, that's the steps. So these are the building blocks. These are foundational. And I love that you're teaching children how to do that and how to have this as, as foundational in their life. It's really gonna be something that hopefully they'll carry to the next phase of school and to the next, and to, through college, and throughout their life. And they're gonna be better adults, uh, better citizens, better better people that send out love every day because of that. And the second thing about that, from what you just said, is that that they're learning that it's not about them. And just, we're trying to t- t- take away from teaching narcissism that way, and that it is about them, it's not. When we discover that, it's about, not about me, but it's about them. When, whenever it's about them, we're doing things that make them happy. And as we do that, that sort of thing, there's great satisfaction and happiness that comes to us for making, lifting someone else up. You can walk down any street. And for your listeners, any anybody in a depressed mode or anybody in a pity mode that, that's just sitting around waiting for love to come to them, just get, get up, walk out the door, walk down the street you'll definitely find someone that's a little bit lower than you are a little bit more depressed than you are. And you'll be able to raise them up. When you raise them up, not only are they happy, but you're, you feel that satisfaction yourself. You've actually raised yourself up. And that's the way to do it. That's the way to get out of those doldrums. That's the way to get out of that little pity party of being, being a victim or whatever, and start sending love out. You know, I, I love the, the, uh, lyrics of a song that's from the song *Sound of Music*. Rolf is the little delivery boy riding his bicycle around, and he's he's on the on the uh, the yard of the bon, bon Trapp um, estate, and he's singing a song to Maria on the second floor. And part of that song, the lyrics of that song say, "Love in the heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till it's given away." We need to absolutely give that love away. I fully believe that for it to ever come our way. We don't send it out. How is it ever supposed to come back? And if we're just waiting for it to come, how are we ever going to recognize it? Part of my my own myopic problem was that I only knew physical touch as as a child. And, and of course, as I took the test from Dr. Chapman, that was my love languages. But I missed people loving on me in different ways. Throughout my life. I know I missed a lot of it. Now, because I've rolled the die every day and giving away all the love languages, I know them backwards and forwards. So now I have a peripheral vision that I didn't have before. I can see it when it comes my way. So, oh, they're loving on me. It's not my primary love language, but I can see they're loving on me. Now I can respond because I have that that uh, that new kind of a, a, a new communication system that is broader and more understanding. I think couples really need that. We all need it. We need it with children. We need it with, with our, our friends. We need it with our significant others as well.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, so you talked about how like your primary uh, was and maybe still is uh, t- physical touch. Did any, either, any of the other ones kind of grow in you? Like, uh, like you appreciate them more, and you feel you feel it more now. Um, uh, besides just physical touch, or is it just like it's still just physical touch that is your love language?
1: So that's a really good question, Valenia. I didn't know any other love language. So what I didn't know, I didn't know. And mm-hmm. and so as I've learned these other love languages, I actually have have a affinity for all of them. At a certain time, and I think that rather than having to eat tacos or being put into a box, like Dr. Chapman says, you take this survey. This is your primary love language. Instead of being put into a box like that, that I'm going to have to eat tacos every single day the rest of my life, because that's what the I'm, that's what I love. I mean, I'm, if I if that's the only thing I have to eat, life's going to be really kind of dull and boring. This adds sobriety to that. So you can actually learn learn about all the love languages, learn to feel that for yourself because everybody does sends out kind of what they like. A lot of people do. I send out I like to receive something different than what I send out. Mm-hmm. But most people like to send out what they want to get back and they think it's reciprocity or they think that it's it's a, a, a reality show like let's make a deal. That and that's not love. That's a transaction to me. You gotta send it out without any expectation of it coming back. That would be the true love. But mm-hmm. as you send it out and and send it out in a variety of ways, it's also going to come back to you in a variety of ways. And it's gonna that one day it might be your favorite for that particular day, and you'll light up. The next day it might be a little bit different. So the change for me has happened that actually, like words, physical touches, down one or two notches from that now and it's just it's just different and I think there is that evolving process for people as they learn the different love languages things will change for them that you'll be able to have a different disposition because it's going to be different on Christmas day you're all going to expect that love language of gifts and you're going to feel it from other hopefully you're going to get it too
0: yeah definitely um, when you set out to make, uh, the, the die, um, who, what, who was your intended audience? And then I guess it has that changed at all in, in the last five years of you, um, having it out or six years, that's yeah, six a, years of you having it out.
1: Wow, that's an incredible question. My audience was me. I was, I was my, I was my subject. I wanted to change me. And, and that was the only audience I was even thinking about at the time. This this is a this is the prototype I did. It's a two and a half, two and a half inch square cube uh made out of wood. When I first made it, it had sharp edges. And it, it kind of like me. Those <laughs> the angry edges. It had those sharp edges. Yeah. So it was really clunky to try to roll it. I could I could hold up. side that i wanted to have show up hold it up in one one direction roll it definitely it would land on that it was like a weighted dice it would roll on whatever i wanted
0: yeah
1: (laughs) that's not going to work so i had to i had to bevel off the edges make the edges more smooth so it actually would roll and it would do its own random thing and so that's that's been that's the way it started and that i was i was this i was the target I was the one that wanted to change and have that, that uh change of behavior from just that knee-jerk reaction from being angry to being have that knee-jerk reaction of being loving. Everything is about love now. It's hardly ever get annoyed. Well, there was one time I got annoyed, Walania, so so annoyed with myself, I didn't talk to myself for three days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean that's that that would be a little hard. Right? <laughs> because you're always with yourself, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a joke.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um has like has changing your outlook towards love um made you have more fun in your life?
1: That's a great question. Absolutely. There's there's nothing more fun for me now than watching people light up. You know, it's it's almost like the childlike spirit that when uh, I'm a grandfather now, when you the grandson or granddaughter see me and they light up and I light up, we're having a great time. When you light someone up and make their day a better day, you're actually having a great time. It really is fun. This is so much fun to find out what's right about that person. How can I help that person have a happy day? what is really happy about what's fun about that person and you point these things out maybe they've never seen it before or maybe they've never heard it before about how wonderful they are and when they hear it they're just they just feel lighter they feel happier they're going to share that happiness with their circles of influence as well it really is a great way to spread, spread the fun contrast with the anger i was sending out I make somebody's day miserable, they're going to make somebody else's day miserable and they're going to make somebody else's day miserable and we don't need a more miserable world. We're already there.
0: Yeah, definitely. What's your long-term goal of role of love?
1: There are a lot of long-term goals, Malania, and uh, some of the long-term goals are obviously, as you're doing, getting it into the school system. I'm looking for corporate sponsors that would actually fund that part of it that they would you know there's a lot of schools all around the world that if they just took the two two seconds to roll the die at the beginning of the day maybe 30 to 45 seconds and correct me if i'm wrong i don't know how long you're explaining what what it, what you're doing with that for that day or what that love language looks like for the day mm-hmm. hopefully it's not a very long explanation but enough so that the children will understand taking the, just that 1 minute at the beginning of the day and then journaling it at the end of the day, somehow, some way, I know you're teaching kindergarten, which is kind of a young grade to be journaling, but they could, draw, they could draw pictures of it, or you could have that discussion at the end of the day. That last, I've talked with teachers around the world, Balania, and teachers around the world, just like yourself, understand that that last 10 to 15 minutes a day is really non-productive time. If you can make that productive time by journaling, journaling does a couple of things for the children. It actually kind of de stresses people when they write in a journal. It just is kind of ah, oh, I got that off my off my brain. I've just just kind of a way a relief for people to get that. We can do that with all the children throughout their grades, just relieve them at the end of the day of the pressures of that day before they ever go home. Take make that last 10 to 15 minutes productive. That's that's part of the goal in the future. The the other thing is that. I would love to um, uh, make a nonprofit organization so that these corporate donors actually would get a tax write-off for helping schools do that. They're really focused on that right now for the f- for the immediate future, trying to get that up and running.
0: Nice, yeah. Um, I always like to ask my uh, guests, "How do you define fun?"
1: Great question. And that's a fun question too. I do find fun as as just kind of lighting people up, having a, some laughter and they'll light me up and we'll just have that banter back and forth. not really banter because banter is kind of a, a negative word, but it's just that interchange back and forth, that exchange, that loving intimacy, so to speak of 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 you know, I'll light you up, you light me up and and just we just have that of that situation that way. I think it's just good fun, and you know, it's just kind fun. It's um, the some people get get really fun when they say, have the gotcha moments that they just say, "I gotcha," and I got gotcha you here, and I got gotcha you good, and th- that seems fun to them. And I think that's really more on the in the angry culture. Mm-hmm. And you don't. I, I think that if you consider that, if you consider even the word sarcasm or the word impatience, what would be the opposite? And I think it's very valuable to consider what the opposite would be. As far as impatience, obviously the patience would be. It. Patience is part of that loving, the, the circle of culture that would represent love. As far as sarcasm goes, people love it. And, and it's prevalent out there right now. But consider what the opposite would be. I And I think the opposite, were, perfect word for that would be genuine or authentic. Now, Now look at it. Do you wanna be sarcastic or do you wanna be authentic and genuine? it's an easy choice. When people understand where they are on the spectrum from anger to love, they can say, well, if is that closer to the angry side, angry culture of the spectrum, or is it more loving? They'll wanna gravitate and move toward that loving side of the spectrum. I think it's a natural thing. And I think that that's fun for me to be able to see people make that transformation. And, that's, and it's fun to have do good clean fun like that and um i like fun like that
0: yeah definitely um i also like to ask people what their play personality is um according to the institute of play in the united states there are eight play personalities uh there's the kinesthetic the competitor the joker the creative explorer storyteller collector and director and you can be more than one
1: so i i'm happy to tell a joke i love telling jokes from time to time i love i think humor just like i i found out with that person that my sister wanted to introduce me to and they did introduce me to i think humor plays a huge important part you need that fun in your life to just kind of take you away from reality for a moment maybe just for a little moment even there's fun with reality. There's just absolutely things that are, that just happen during the day that you can look back and say, Oh, that was, that was hilarious. You know, I, I never would have expected that outcome. For example, there was a, a family that I tested this, this uh, dice with a family of five children. And the youngest was four years old, even before kindergarten. And he, he learned all the different sides of the, his parents taught him all the different sides of the, of the die. And, one day he rolled the die on himself so this family chose each individually uh, each individual in the family would roll the die at the beginning of the day one day he rolled physical touch and he's jumping up and down and said yes physical touch physical touch and immediately went to beat up on his brothers <laughs> and the mother the mother's howling with laughter or trying to uh, suppress the laughter and say, no son the, the high five or the fist bump or the hug would be appropriate physical touch <laughs> and so so all the siblings are there. It becomes a teaching moment, and I think that that's that's the you know that's kind of the type of thing that uh, uh, type of situation that we really need to have happen. As far as what type, I've never taken that a fun test. I didn't know there was such a thing out there, but I guess there should be. But so I'm I probably like the kinesthetic. I like feeling that we're having a good time. I like watching people light up being animated. I like that type of conversation. My wife's a little little bit, uh, uh, she's quite a social uh, butterfly. And so she just really likes social occasions. We have people over at our house all the time. In fact, this last Thanksgiving, we had what I call orphaned couples to our house, just because all their children were gone, empty nesters, so to speak. So we had four, four other uh, orphaned couples that came to our house, enjoyed a fa- Thanksgiving feast. And that's that is kind of that type of fun, so I like that. Um, I like the feeling that happens there, the kinesthetic feeling, but I like that uh, sociality too that um, that comes with that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, what what would you say make the like makes you really laugh like all the time, like without fail?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I haven't even thought of that. What makes me laugh all the time? I think that um, uh, there's some parodies on Saturday Night Live, and we're looking at sarcasm again. Saturday Night Live uh, is usually very, very funny, and they're they're obviously paid to be funny. But it's just a uh, a lot of those jokes like that come. I excuse me. I um, I had a period in my life that I actually went through an anger management class. And the anger management class uh, wasn't wasn't great. wasn't very funny as I'm going through it. But uh, because there were a lot of a lot of guys in there, I volunteered to be there because I felt like I needed to know the difference. What what was that uh, circle of abuse? What was that angry? What else was included in that angry culture? So as I'm identifying that, my solution was to find out what would be the opposite of that. But in in having gone through that class then the movie angry anger management came out that movie makes me laugh every time i see it just because i i'm reminded of those days and it's just just that the, the uh, jack nicholson and, and adam sandler are just hilarious in that movie and that all that movie all, always makes me laugh and a very similar movie to it, this happy gilmore that mm. that those those type of movies where I watch people be angry and then I try to you, you watch them try to progress through life and and sometimes they get it and sometimes they still still have the anger but watching okay. that transition is very I I feel myself inside those movies and that makes me laugh every single time that um, you know I used to look like that oh that's horrible I, I wish you know and, and I see that you know that people can transform they really can it's not just in the movies it's not just on the screen but it makes me laugh every time I watch those movies.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um you know, you I mean, you talked about how like just now like how people people can change. Would you say um like on a scale of like 1 to 10, like how hard was it for you to change from being an angry person?
1: Well, Leanna, I had worked on this for many years. Like I mentioned I was age 35 before I decided to stop blaming my father, he'd already been dead seven years. Mm -hmm. And so I made these little decisions um, all along the way. In fact, at age 17, when I left home, I left after my junior year of high school and moved in with my brother. So at age 17 or 18, almost all teenagers that I've ever heard of say, I'm not going to be like my parents. When I have a family, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And they plan their whole life, the ideal of their life. They plan their whole life to be like that. And I I think these small decisions are made all along the way. But what really, what was the tip of the the iceberg for me, how I could see that, actually see a change happening was when the die was created. And as I'm rolling the die and just the change of focus, you know, I'd like to compare it to a magnifying glass. Whatever you focus on is going to get larger. I was focused on the angry part of it like not being angry and that sort of thing. I was focused on that instead of focused on being loving. And as soon as I made that change of focus, it was magical. It was almost overnight, actually, because I now have a tool that works, a tool that that actually changed that mindset overnight. So it didn't take very long at all. In fact, it really was overnight that I went from being annoyed about other people and what they were doing and, and as soon as I drew that line, I said, I don't have to worry about them. Oh, you know, I, I don't have to be their boss. I don't have to be just on them about doing things the way I would do them. I, I, I'm not in charge of their life. And once I made that realization and moved into what I am in charge of, sending love out and, and watching for it to come back, that's when really the change happened, changing that focus from, the angry focus of watching for what's wrong with people is to the loving focus of watching what's right with them.
0: It was overnight. Well, yeah, there is like, there is some peace just like surrendering to like the realization that you can only control yourself Mm -hmm. and that no one else, like once, like you really can let go of like that, that want and need to like want to control other people and like, um, yeah, it's just like creates a lot of like, oh, okay, I could just let go. Like, it's just like s- calm, <laughs> serene, you know? It
1: is. It absolutely is. And, and it's, it's the I can do it attitude. Oh, you mean I don't have to manage everybody? Woo! Yay. That takes a big burden off your shoulders and you just feel so much lighter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can do this. I can do this.
0: Yeah. Well, and also like in your, you know, what you just said also is like, so often, everyone is like thinking about what they don't want. I don't want this. I don't want that. And then like, but if you can actually like identify and like, really be specific about what you do want, I think it can make a big difference too. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It manifests itself. It really does. And if you say what I don't want, it actually is going to enlarge it going to make it make it bigger and and to me that's that's part of that angry culture and i think a little bit has seeped in to a lot of people pervasive within the society itself. i think that we really if we're watching any type of media they're focused any type of news they're focused on the negative that's happened for the most part i would say 80 to maybe 90 percent of uh of a newscast is on the negative. What's wrong in the world? What did people do that was absolutely wrong? And obviously, you know, I guess there's a need to report that. I know that it sells, it sells, it sells, uh, and it does very well. Love doesn't sell that well. And maybe that's why they focus on it because they're a business that's transactional. And so, you know, we're trained that way. We're actually trained by the media to look at the negative. I'm trying to turn that tide, turn it around to say, Come on, guys, there's a better way. And you're going to have a better life if you just change the focus. Mm-hmm. I did. I had to do it for myself. I wanted to do it for myself. That's a very key, Lalania. is that you have to want that change. If you don't want it, if you don't care, it's not It's not going to happen for you. You've got to want want that change and then change, change the focus to love.
0: Yeah, Definitely. Um, if you could, uh, if you had like a dinner party, uh, like what three people would you invite?
1: I would actually love to talk to um, Abraham Lincoln, and just to get a, get an idea of, of what yeah, you know, I loved his philosophy of life, and it's just down down home, really a great philosophy, great one liners that we have from from him as a president very quoted quite a lot I would love to have him at the dinner party in addition to that I'd love to have uh, George Washington there to compare notes uh George how'd you do it Abraham how did you do it have those two people there and then I think that I'd like to have um um that's a good question who else who else <laughs> would who else would be a good company and it's interesting that you know, before my wife was very, very social, before um, I married her, I would think that anybody can mix and anybody would be a good mix for a dinner party. But now that I've married her, she she really kind of strategically structures the audience and the dinner party, so that it's going to flow, it's going to be just kind of good. There's not going to be a lot of those awkward moments, and nobody likes awkward anyway. So, you know, but though that last person, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have have dinner with Gandhi or Mother Teresa. I mean, I would or uh, yeah, into the Nelson Mandela would be another another great one. So any of those people, any combination of those five people that I just mentioned would be a great dinner party.
0: Yeah. Um, What would be your dream vacation?
1: My dream vacation. uh That's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that question. Olenia. so my dream vacation, I, I actually really like snorkeling. So I love Hawaii. I love Cozumel. uh, I love just the clear waters like that. And I think there's still, thankfully there's still a lot of clear waters like that around the world that you can actually see a lot of fish and a lot of different colors of fish. Um, it's one of my favorite things is to go snorkeling. I'm not a scuba diver, but I, I do love snorkeling. And so anywhere that where there's white sand or just just a, just a situation that there's a lot of fish and and um, clear waters for snorkeling, I would love that.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> sounds beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah, scuba diving sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah. um, what makes you feel? Just like really special, and if like if you had like a day, uh, that would be like you would just walk away, just feeling the most special that you could ever feel. What what would happen there on that day?
1: That's a great question, and I, I probably just want to refer back to the love languages. If if it's a if it's now that I know the all five love languages, uh, and and I can see it coming my way, a very special day would be. I could see. All everyone that was sending love to me in all the different ways. And and feel I'd feel very special on that day, not only that I could recognize it, but that people were loving on me. And what would be really the most special uh, day would be if others also would feel that same love, that they would be able to see it coming their way. If we had the neighborhood, if we had the community, if we had the state or the nation or the world, To get to that point where not only me but everybody else can see that love coming their way, that would be a really special day. Um, That would probably be the most special day ever. Is if the if a community would just take hold of this and really, as a community, dive into this, get down to get these basics of the all five love languages down, so that all the the communication within that community is all love languages everybody's doing it everybody's sending it out everybody's able to recognize it when it's coming their way and the communication level is just much much higher than it would be that would be a very special day for me not that it's and it's not really about me but it's about everybody being able to to be able to see the love coming their way recognize it and responding appropriately
0: yeah well i mean it's like there's like this idea like so you know most people are like so like focused on themselves but like I even like was having like this conversation with my my students and I was just like you know we're just like kind of like imagine if we saw like everyone feeling like that way you know and you know it just like makes you feel like like everyone is like yeah that would be so you know so great like they recognize that you know how great that would feel if all of us felt that way, yeah.
1: And we feel it in at different uh, levels. Obviously, we are different individuals, and I wouldn't have it any other way. If we're all the same, if we're all, um, if I mean, it just wouldn't be very fun to have us all like the color blue. There'd be a shortage of blue, the color blue out there, and it would it would be boring after a while because everybody's wearing blue, everybody's driving a blue car, and it's just um, it would just get really boring. So thank goodness for these differences but even within these differences if we can see see the the similarities of sending how we send out love and respond to love i think that that, that would absolutely accentuate those differences and help us feel more like a community more like we're uh, like a, a piece of cloth knit together in a fashion that that we belong together we belong whatever neighborhood we live in we belong there we feel comfortable there and that's i would love love that would make my day
0: yeah um how about doing a few like either ors okay um cats or dogs
1: i'm allergic to both but my preference i i don't know if i have a preference on that you know i absolutely love petting a cat and just listen to the cat purr mm-hmm. just just that that whole sound of uh, it's, it's like the cat's talking to me and said, oh, that feels so good. And just, just and it's just such a fun fun response, immediate response. But then, at the, at the, but the cat's not coming up to you at the end of the day like a dog would and say, oh, you're back, you're back, you're back, you're back. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's play. Let's play. And it's this I love the dog for that because they'll come right up to you. And, and it's just uh, unbounded love that that dog will give to you. Cats, mm, not so much. They don't. They, it's just just different. Like I said, I like the purring of the cat, but I like the un, unfettered love of that dog.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess there's like supposed supposedly like there's something about like a cat's purr that is supposed to be like like really good for like getting into your parasympathetic. Like it's good for your our bodies to be here, like be around a cat purring kind of thing. Um, So I think that's interesting. But like, yeah, dogs are like so, so pure and innocent and like Mm -hmm. so sweet. (laughs) They are. Um, Calling or texting?
1: I like the sound of people's voices. And I like just having that interaction that way. But I will also like texting because I think it's efficient. Uh, an efficient way to find out if that person's available to talk or it's if that person is not available maybe you just have a quick question and you don't have time to talk so um I, I like both but i think i prefer calling
0: um mountain or beach
1: uh that's a great great question i was raised in montana and there's lots of lots of mountains in montana and so so I that's where I grew up. That's where my roots are. But uh, when I was seventeen, I moved in with my brother, and six months later, he was transferred down to California, and so that was kind of my my first experiences of of, of body surfing and that sort of thing at the beach. And I wouldn't I don't like the beach in in the winter time. I'm not one of those um, polar people, polar uh, ice ice guys that's going to jump in the ocean. On New Year's Day, I'm not doing that. I'm not jumping in a lake on New Year's Day. I'm not. I'm just not doing that. Um, so I'd actually actually like to stick to the mountains. I I really like I like skiing, and I've I learned how to ski when I was in eighth grade, and to just I, I've liked it. I I don't do a lot of it, but I still really like skiing. I like the mountains. I like the the wildlife that's in the mountain, and so I'm going to pick the mountains. Yeah.
0: Summer or winter.
1: I am definitely a guy. I live in St. George, Utah, so I'm in southern Utah, and and most of Utah has snow, but uh, but St. George is low enough. We're just two two hours north of Las Vegas, Nevada, and everybody knows how hot Las Vegas gets in the summertime. I still like it. I still you know there, even though there's just um, so many clothes that you can take off, I still like like the the heat a lot more than the the cold. The cold, uh, I I remember walking in Montana when I was growing up, walking to church two blocks away, and I'd be frostbitten by the time I got there because it was like 50 below zero. And I was was dedicated to be going to church, dedicated so much that I'd walk the two blocks, but my nose was blue or my ears were blue or my fingers had turned blue by that time. And it takes a while to thaw out after you're there so i'd I'd linger at the church and then thaw out and before I take take a deep breath, go out back outside and make brave the walk home so <laughs> yeah, definitely summer
0: oh yeah, no that <laughs> it doesn't sound fun um camping or going to a hotel
1: I'm a hotel kind of guy i I've had enough of my camping in in my life even it's funny that you say that because I chose mountains. And this would be almost conflicting that i i would choose to do a hotel you know in raising eight children the best trips that we had were actually going to a a hampton inn we had a one one trip that we did we did all hampton inns all across and they're kind of a three 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 and a half star hotel and they always have the breakfast they always had had all the amenities that you'd ever need for kids and it was just really really friendly and that was some of the best vacations that we ever had. When you go camping, there's going to be one or more, or maybe it's me that's going to be complaining. And so, definitely a hotel.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I, I hear you. <laughs> um, the book or the movie?
1: I am. I used to be a much more voracious reader than than um, I am now. But I'm probably going to go with the movie now. I like to I like the depiction. Sometimes I don't like the interpretation of a book I'm on the screen, but for the most part, I think that most of uh, directors nowadays are really doing a very good job of depicting depicting a story. And so I do like uh, the genre of movies that it's a true story, or or it's a something that uh, that is is historical that that happened and then maybe an interpretation, of you know director's interpretation of how that story happened because we don't really have any records. So the interpretation of that, something like that. So if I'm gonna pick a genre of movies, that would be a movie that would be a true story. And so it relates back to a book or it relates back to real, real life situation, then that would be my choice.
0: Yeah. All right, last, last question. Um... Planes or cars?
1: You know, I I've I flew on my first airplane ride when I was 17, and it was to my brother's funeral. And so you know, that kind of just, it, it was exciting, but it was kind of depressing all at the same time. And it's was, I didn't remember how confining it was, but in the, you know, recently with all the, the having to recycle that air within the plane and, and do that sort of thing, it's really kind of a, a a Petri dish for for sickness and I so said I don't really like going on the, on the planes anymore I do if it's a very long distance and I have to get there quickly but I've really liked cars and I've uh, I've taken a solo trip I went from Charleston South Carolina all the way to to um Salt Lake City Utah with a 32-hour trip but oh. I made it 32 hours with just a two-hour nap I mean it was all driving the whole time all by myself so uh, so that two hour two hour nap that i took was sufficient to get me to my destination but i was definitely tired what i've liked to like to do with the children was to stop and read the the historical posts along the way too and by doing that you learn a lot from the nation i'm a more boots on the ground kind of guy car is going to be it
0: for sure well, I really appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. Uh, where can the audience find you?
1: Great question. You can find the dice. I've got the book and and the journal. You can find it all on my website at rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love.com. I did a play on words. You R-O-L-L, the dice outside of you, the change happens within. That's R-O-L-E would be the change that happens within. So R-O-L-E of love.com.
0: Well, thank you so much. And I will make sure to put that in the uh, the notes, of course. So, right. yeah. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much, La- La- Lania. And it's, it's been a pleasure to be with you today.
0: <laughs> you too.